Flyers.com. This is Getting Bullied. And of course, uh, as always, I'm joined by my partner in crime from PhillyIsFlyer.com. I'm Mark Giannone, by the way. I guess I should have let off with that. But I'm joined, as always, with uh, Dan Silver from Phillies Flyer. Dan, what's up, bud? Mark, what's going on, man? It, uh, it, uh, we're going to have to... Uh, sounds like we both had kind of rough weekends, so we're going to have to... Uh, the energy level, we're going to have to, you know bring it through kick it up for the next hour i feel like we're gonna uh we got some exciting flyer stuff to talk about yeah i'm definitely dragging behind um it was one hell of an interesting weekend for sure and i know you had one as well we will get into that at some point in this journey of uh of podcast gold but i guess um the reason people are here they want to hear about the flyers and obviously the big news is the Injury to fan favorite Andrew McDonald, uh, four to six weeks with the NHL term lower body injury. And, uh, of course, you don't want to – the cliche now is you don't want to root for an injury, but there was a lot of people on Twitter that were doing just that. And uh, so, yeah, now that that's cleared up, what's happening now as far as the D pairs go? Yeah, I mean, it's – first of all, I feel like we should tease the fact that our listeners may get to hear your opinion on what the best Guinness is in Philadelphia, which I'm actually very interested in. So the uh, all the beer listeners who have tuned into this podcast mistakenly because it's a Flyers podcast, they thought maybe it was about beer, actually are going to get something about beer later on. So stay tuned for that. Um, it's also the, not opinion. It's, it's solid fact of what is fact. the best Guinness in the city of Philadelphia. Coming go ahead. Up, Fact. What's what's it mean so, this this McDonald injury? Where so, are the Flyers going from here? So first, let me say that like Andrew McDonald, right? First on the home opener, he gets booed right by the fans. So that triggers a bunch of people on Twitter being like, "Hey, it was really rude of everyone to boo Andrew McDonald. Uh, you should be ashamed of yourselves." So, and by the way, a lot of these are Flyers fans who probably have you know said uh, negative things about Andrew McDonald, which hey, they can have their opinions. Um, about the booing i just found it interesting that first we had to deal with that and at which time i pointed out hey everyone who went to the flyers game is a paid for their tickets most likely as you pointed out very astutely on last week's show um the flyers are they're selling a product and consumers are consuming the product and they have a right to make their opinions known so a lot of them made their opinions known during the home opener that they didn't like Andrew McDonald. So anyway, so that happened. Then he gets injured blocking a shot uh, last week. It's announced that he's going to be out four to six weeks. The really interesting thing, by the way, was that on on uh, over the weekend, the Flyers released an article basically that was talking about how everyone loves Andrew McDonald. Bill Meltzer, who's a terrific writer, um, and now writes for the Flyers on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, which obviously means he's sort of going to have to write some puff pieces. Uh, but, hey, you know what? It is what it is. He's, he's, he's got a right to make a living. Anyway, he wrote an article about how great Andrew McDonald was. And it was like, really? Are the Flyers really going to start pushing propaganda on the fans by putting puff pieces out about Andrew McDonald? Because they know that he's maligned by the fans. So, hey, let's put a puff piece out. What good does that do, if anything, that just exacerbates the issue. So anyway, so that article comes out. And then literally, you know, within a few hours, we've got the news now that he's out for four to six weeks. So I thought that was interesting a little bit there, the timing. I wonder if they knew when the article went up that he was going to be out. So anyway, then they announced he's out four to six weeks. And yes, people were putting 
uh, you know, GIFs or GIFs or whatever it is. Of, I, I, I never know if it's the hard G or the soft G. But I've um, heard GIFs, all, but then GIF. Yeah, I think I think it's GIFs. Yeah. I, I, I think you're right. Um, GIFs of you know celebration and blah blah blah. And then of course, just like with the booing, we have the counter counter opinions from some from some Flyers fans. How dare you cheer for an injury? Um, and yes. On this one, I agree that people should not be rooting for someone to get injured. They should not be cheering for an injury. I don't think that anyone was really cheering for him to get injured. I think people are just excited to see what's going to happen with him out of the lineup. So what is going to happen? Well, based on today's practice, it looks like what's going to happen is they are simply going to um, move the the top two right-handed a right-playing defenseman up a slot in the lineup. So it was Provorov playing with McDonald and Ghost playing with Haig on the top two defense pairing. So now it looks like Haig is just going to slide up and play the right side with Provorov, and Radko Gudis is going to slide up from the third pair to play the right side with Ghost. And then the third pair, I know a lot of people were hoping that Sam Moran might get the call. But for the time being, it looks like they're simply going to put uh, Brandon Manning on the left side, Travis Sandheim on the right side. Could be the Mannheim defense pairing, if Ooh. you will. Um, and Sandheim, so a couple interesting things about this. One is Ghost and Haig have been terrific together. I did not think that they were going to split up Ghost and Haig, um, but they did. And however, they kept. Ghost. Some people were saying, hey, you can move Haig to the first line, first pairing, then Moran can come up and play um, with Ghost. But in that scenario, Ghost would have to switch from the left side to the right side. Ghost has said he likes playing the left, and that's one of the reasons he likes playing with Haig. So when they move Haig up with Provorov, uh, they move Gudis up, who's a right-handed defenseman, to play with Ghost. So that's interesting. And then the other interesting thing is Sandheim, who's now basically only played a handful of NHL games, is now going to be asked to switch sides. So he's going to go from the left side, which is where he was playing with Gudis, to the right side, because uh, Manning um, has basically plays the left. And Sandheim, for the majority of last year, actually, Sandheim played the right side with Sam Moran. I was hoping that they would bring up Moran and sort of alternate Moran, Sandheim, and Manning. Like, maybe you'd get uh, three out of every four games, Manning and Sandheim would play, and two out of every four games, Moran would play. Mm-hmm. It, that could still happen. It doesn't look like it. It looks like they're going to go with with what I just mentioned, um, which I think is fine for now. But uh, I'm very excited to see Robert Haig on the first pairing. He's been terrific, and I think he's going to be a better fit with Pro Rob than McDonald. Yeah, he's he's impressed me a lot. He's got um he's a bit more offensive than I thought he was at first. But the guy that really stands out to me as far as the defensemen go is Travis Sanheim. He is. Uh, I know you um you love to compare these rookies to great players in history. Um. And you said earlier, you said in the summer you compared him to Peter Forsberg, which is interesting in itself because they play different positions. But now that I'm seeing him play on somewhat of a regular basis, he is one of the more gifted offensive players on the team, not just as far as defensemen go. He is great with the puck. He has a very good shot. And it seems like every time he's on the ice, he's more you know, in the corners, or he's more up in the play than he is back on the blue line. So, it's interesting now how it's going to be with him and Manning, because, you know, playing with Gudis, I think Gudis is more, he's just a good veteran guy to have, and he's just a solid defenseman, he's a good guy to learn from. And Brandon Manning isn't really all that good of a player, so you're hoping that, what Sandheim's learned, what Sandheim has done isn't going to, you know, he's not going to learn kind of the wrong things from the lesser defensemen that they're going to be putting him with. But I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm beginning to think the Flyers aren't all that 
infatuated or in love with Sam Moran because he keeps getting passed on. And here is the perfect opportunity, of opportunity that fans were waiting for pretty much since the season started for somebody to either get sent down or put on waivers or, in this case, injured for Moran to come up and start getting more playing time. And the first chance that happens, they pass on him again. They're, looks It looks that way. It looks like they're going to choose not to call him up. And he's just still down in the fan. I mean, he's playing good with the Phantoms, but at some point they got to find a way to get this kid up here and playing with the big club. Otherwise, at some point, there's only so much you could do in the minor leagues in any sport. And you don't want to see somebody with so much potential and so much buildup that we've had for this guy. You don't want to see him hit a plateau in the in the AHL. So at some point, somehow, some way, Ron Hextall and the Flyers have to figure out a way to get Sam Moran on the Flyers roster and playing on somewhat of a regular basis so they could see if he is good. Like they just have to see what he could do in this league game in and game out. Yeah, I think that in some ways, I think this injury almost happened too early for them to call it Moran because think about it like this, right? They go through training camp. It's very stressful for these guys, especially the young kids trying to make the team. Then they make a concrete decision, right, that they want Travis Sanheim on this team over Sam Moran. So that's sort of like the decision they make. That's the mentality. And they've just started playing Sanheim over Manning the majority of the time, you know, the, the last week. Um, and I almost feel like at this point, it's sort of too early for them to be like, hey, you know what, Sam Morant, you're now back up. And then they've got to figure out how to use him. Um, so I, I, I think just from that perspective, they probably weren't ready to bring Sam Moran back up. Obviously, if there's another injury, probably he's the guy. But, you know, they, they clearly like Manning a little bit, and now they've got Sanheim being worked in the lineup over Manning. Um, but, uh, uh, but I think it's a little – it's too soon. You know, people say, hey, too soon for that. I think it's too soon after what they went through deciding Sanheim over Moran to bring Moran back in to the lineup over Manning. So I still think that he's got a big role in this organization long-term. I think that it might be when Radko Gudis is moved or traded, uh, or there's another injury this year. But uh, look, I, Moran, I think he's still 22 years old. Um, I still think, you know what, he it looks he had a bomb of a shot, a uh, bomb of a goal in, over the weekend for the Phantoms. I think he may have an opportunity to actually develop his offensive game a little bit more also because he's really been focusing on the defensive side. So, hey, maybe this year, if he's in the AHL for the majority of the year, maybe he's focusing a little bit on the offensive game, right? Uh, So, you know, I I think there's some offensive upside there, not a ton. But, you know, I I think think it was too early for this injury to happen for them to to bring Moran up. That's just what I think they were thinking about it from there vantage point. So you're saying basically that Andrew McDonald can't even get injured correctly to help the team. <laughs> he still he gets hurt, but it's not even not even then is he doing that right. It's at the wrong time and now we have to watch Brandon Manning for the for the little bit here that he's going to be out. That's good. I think that's probably uh I guess I am sort of saying that. You know, mm-hmm. McDonald has actually been okay. He's probably played his best stretch of eight games for this organization, I would say. He's 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 been decent. But mm. uh but yeah, I think you know, I think the injury kind of occurred a little bit too early for them to to bring Moray up. Also, the Phantoms are having a lot of injury issues. TJ Brennan's out for two to three weeks. Your boy Philippe Myers is day to day. I don't even know what happened to him. It's so hard getting any injury information. It it's so frustrating it in really hockey. Is. It it's, is. He, you have no idea what happened to Philippe Myers. I don't even think they said upper body or lower body with him. I think they just said day to day. So, you know, it's I don't somewhere know. on I, his body. Right. So I hope he comes back soon. But uh, you know, it's um, the Phantoms. You know, Moran's going to play a huge role with them, and 
he will be very ready when the Flyers need him, that's for sure. This is off topic, but did you see over the weekend the the Penguins fan that put the the Penguins jersey on the statue of Ed Snyder and then put it on Twitter for the world to see? I got to say, I mean, I hate the Penguins. I hate their fans. One of my best friends is actually a Penguins fan. We basically don't even talk to each other if they play each other in the playoffs. Good. But I'm going to be totally honest with you. I sort of respect that a little bit. Like, what a scumbag, right? You freaking (laughs) – you you snuck in whenever you did it to the freaking, you know, to the arena area. You climbed up the statue and put a Penguins jersey on. I think I respect that a little bit. I mean – it's a huge scumbag move, but I, 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 it's kind of kind of funny. I mean, I'd probably punch the guy if I saw him, but wow, right? Yeah, that's something a Philadelphia fan's supposed to do. It is, fan. and we would get. I mean, I don't watch any of the national stuff as far as you know sports stuff because I think it's just all garbage, especially ESPN. But if by chance the roles were reversed. And it was a Flyers fan that did it to a Penguin statue. It would be wall-to-wall coverage nationally. Phillies strikes again and all this nonsense. And this this piece of shit, he comes in and just... I mean, I get it's, it's, uh, it's not like he spray-painted the statue or did anything permanent. It was a temporary thing. But for all intents and purposes vandalized a brand new statue of literally the founding father of hockey in Philadelphia and all it is is just on Twitter and it's just laughed at and forgotten about. And that's that's the bias that I hate in this country when it comes to Philadelphia and its fans. And I wish not... I, I hope that guy... I hope, like, I don't know. I don't want to say anything horrible and put it out... I just hope the Penguins have, like, the worst possible season for the rest of that guy's life. I don't know. I just want something terrible to happen to that guy for even coming up with that idea and then going ahead and executing it. I, you got to give some props for the execution of it, though. You know what I mean? Um, no. The reason why I won't give him any props for it is because it was temporary. If you're going to do it, do it. If you want to piss people off then take out a can take out black and gold spray paint or black and whatever the hell color they are and and do some real damage don't just drape it over the guy's head or at least pull it over his head make it look like he's wearing it so they can't he couldn't even get that right that fat idiot that he is well you're you're right actually they probably couldn't figure out how to do it properly um yeah, hey, you know what? The Penguins are off to a pretty crappy start, at least when Anti- Anti- Niemi is in net. I mean, have you seen what this guy's doing in Pittsburgh? His his uh, save percentage is like 782. I'm well, not sure I've seen now. Niemi, what did they do? I didn't see it. Oh, they uh, they put him on waivers. Did they really? Yeah. They bring up Tristan Yari from uh, the AHL or something? I didn't see anything about that. I just saw. I mean, this, I was just glancing on uh, Twitter today while at work, and I saw that he uh, was placed on waivers. But I didn't see what the uh, what the move was that they did after that. But I'm sure they had to have called him up because now they have that vacancy. Yeah, you're right. They about five hours ago they put him on waivers. Well, Casey DeSmith. What's that? Uh, the Pens have recalled. This is 11 minutes ago on their Twitter account. The Pens have recalled goaltender Casey DeSmith from Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Interesting. Well, I yeah. guess they're uh, maybe they're not yet ready to. Be- Tristan Yari's a pretty big goalie prospect that was very good last year. He's off to kind of a slow start, but uh, I guess ultimately he'll be up. But yeah, wow. He was. So- I mean, Niemi was so bad. How do you 16 goals in his la- in three games? That's that's almost impossible. I feel like I could have stopped more pucks than that. What blows my mind about Anthony Emmy is this is the the same guy that, as a rookie, won a Stanley Cup with the Blackhawks. And even after that, had a pretty good. I like, he just. I feel like after he won that Cup, it was just a slow, like a very slow decline 
in his play, and now you see where it's it's come to this like awful crescendo in Pittsburgh where he gets put on waivers for a guy that I remember watching that 2010 playoffs and the finals especially, and I'm thinking, holy hell, A, where did they get this guy from, and B, how is anybody ever going to stop or be able to beat this guy? Yeah, goalies are so strange, right? I mean, they look at Steve Mason's career arc. I mean, I think he well, he was really good at first, and then he was freaking terrible, and then he regained it. It's all goaltending is terrible all, again. That's true. Is goaltending is all so much about the mental aspect of it that I feel like these guys can just start going downhill and not recover it. Uh, and I guess that's what happened to Antti Niemi. But I mean, wow, he was bad this year. Well, I mean, there you go. Now he's gone, and I, he's probably not getting picked up by anybody else. You got to imagine. Probably not, no. 16 goals against, 7.5 goals against average, and, and a 7.97 save percentage. My roller hockey team needs a goalie, actually. So we may, be, we may be throwing in a claim. He's 34 years old. Niemi? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> See, that alarms me because I thought he was younger, and now I feel old. But that's all right. Did did Pittsburgh trade for him in the offseason, or did they? I think buy, they just did Dallas him. buy him out. That's pro- I think that's what happened. I think they just were able to sign him. I can't imagine they traded for him. Let's see. Know. This is what you get: in depth coverage of the Pittsburgh Penguins. <laughs> yeah, they bought out. So the Dallas Stars are actually paying Anti Niemi one point five million this year and next year. Well, good for him. Well, there you go. Yeah, great for Ante. He's going to be making $1.5 million from Dallas this year and, what, 700000 from the Penguins this year yep. also. So, wow, he's going to be, you know, he's doing pretty well for having quite quite the successful start. So He'll end up in some European league, and that'll be it. Yeah, probably. This is the last we'll hear of Ante Niemi in the NHL, but that's okay. Could be. This is the last you're going to hear of Ante Niemi on this show probably forever. Perfect. Until, until Brian Elliott gets hurt and the Flyers have to sign him. <laughs> Speaking of which, the best goalie on the Flyers is not Brian Elliott, and it is indeed Michael Neuverth. Michael Neuverth's been great this season. He has. Now, 957 save percentage, 1.36 goals against average. He's been phenomenal. And he's got the fly. It's, it almost reminds me of the Phillies a couple years ago when I think it was Cole Hamill's last year or the year before where he pit was pitching great, but the run support wasn't there. And that's the case with Neuver. He's been playing great in pretty much every start he's had this season. And they've gotten shut out in two of the games he's played. Obviously, the second game of the year against um, Kings. LA, the Kings. And then this past week against Nashville, they get shut out one nothing, And what everyone was calling the quote-unquote revenge game, trying to get back at the Predators, but really trying to get back at their coach who lost that game in Nashville a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Neuvert's been great, and you're right. He's 1-2. and two. Brian Elliott's 4-1. and one. Mm. Elliott's been okay. Obviously, he's got an 8.97 save percentage, 2.80 goals against average. He's he's been okay. He's he's done what he's had to do for the most part. He's to, done what we expected to him games. to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think we need we're hopefully his save percentage will float up around you know nine ten maybe ultimately. But he's he's made big saves when he's had to. Neuvert's been great. I think that you really can't complain about the goalies to this point and. You know, look at the, we lost to the Kings, right? The Kings, by the way, I think are the the last team in the NHL that currently does uh, um, that has not lost a game. The Kings are six zero and one, and they're uh, atop the Western Conference right now. Isn't and that amazing? To, the team yeah, that missed we, the playoffs last year. Yeah, and we lost to Nashville twice, right? Yeah. So obviously, they're they're a pretty damn good team too. So the Flyers are, uh, you know, the, right now the Flyers are in a wild card spot, but they've been playing, I would say, much better than their record indicates. Mm-hmm. You know, their schedule coming up, they've got Anaheim at home this week, and then they're at Ottawa, at Toronto, 
and then home against Arizona. So they've got four, you know, obviously at Ottawa, at Toronto will be interesting, but they've got four fairly, you know, fairly winnable games this week, and we'll see what happens. But they've definitely been playing better than their record would indicate so far, and they got that tough West Coast road swing out of the way early in the season. Yeah, that was huge. And as pissed as I was that they had that road trip to start the season, the more I thought about it, the more I saw the the good part of it, the the silver lining, if you will. But yeah, I mean, pretty much we've gotten from both goal. Actually, we've gotten more from Norworth than I think anyone expected we were going to get. But as far as Elliot goes, no one expected him to come in and light the world on fire and turn a bunch of heads and play like a top five goalie. We've gotten pretty much what we what was advertised about him. He's an average middle-of-the-road goalie, and he's, I mean, his record is obviously good because the team is playing well in front of him. But just I thought that this season, to start, was going to be much more of a struggle with all of the young guys in the lineup. And the Flyers as a whole, especially that top line, because I hated a lot on that top line, the two wings especially, and I did not think that there was any chance in hell Sean Couturier was going to be an effective center. I thought he was going to be the second-line center, and then they throw the curveball and stick him on the first line. But I was proven wrong by that line as a whole. And I was proven wrong by this whole team because I did not think they were going to come out and play as well as they did. And if they weren't in such a strong division, they would probably be higher in the standings than they are now. Yeah, I mean, they look, and that's going to be a struggle all, all season, all right? Season. I mean, they've got. How about the Devils, six and two oh on top God. of the Met Metropolitan Division? I I really I haven't watched them play yet this year, and I really need to because they're obviously have changed the way that they play. Jasper Bratt's been unbelievable. Nikohishi Nikohishi scored his first two goals a couple nights ago. He's been really good. Uh, Will Butcher, the college defenseman they signed is is looks unbelievable he looks like the second coming of ghost and you know obviously the penguins are going to be there and and the flyers have the same exact record as the blue jackets and they're they're a good team mm-hmm. the caps are 500 right now i mean that's probably not going to continue that the hurricanes are above 500 the islanders have been playing well it's a really tough division and the flyers are gonna have a lot of tough games in the division but the way the flyers are playing right now you know they they look to me like a playoff team and, you know, we'll see what happens. They've been making some lineup shuffling. I think one of the lineup changes that people are going to be excited about for Tuesday night's game is it looks like Dale Weiss is going to be out of the lineup and not Oscar Lindblom, who a lot of people are hoping we'll see at some point. He did have his first AHL point over the weekend. But Yuri Laterra is going to move up to play left wing on the third line with Patrick and Konechny. And it looks like Weiss is going to be out of the lineup, which I think is a good sign because – He's not a great player, and no. I think a lot of people were upset with Dave Haxtell because it looked like Dave Haxtell had basically just gifted Dale Weiss a third-line position and that he didn't even have to compete for in the preseason. So now it looks like you know Dale Weiss, who has not been great this year, his only goal was on that unbelievable behind between-the-legs drop pass from Nolan Patrick, Patrick which was just incredible. It looks like... Uh, you know, it looks like Dale Weiss uh, is, is going to be out of the lineup, which I think is great. Yeah. I, so, what, I guess they're, I guess Laterra's playing the wing then because they're not yes. going to. He'll play left the wing. Patrick. But I wonder if it was, I wonder if it's worth it almost just to put more skill around Nolan Patrick to break up that fourth line and bring up, move one of those guys up to put on the wing rather than put Laterra on that third line. I mean, the fourth line has played great as far as fourth lines go in the NHL. I mean, they pretty much they generate pressure and offense pretty much every time they're on the ice. But I just feel I, we keep – or not we, because if we were doing things, it would be a lot different and better than Dave Haxtell. But they keep sticking these guys with inferior talent around Nolan Patrick on that line and – I wonder if that's why, because really, I mean, outside, he's not really dazzling too much, at least on the stat column, and I wonder if he just has to pick up too much of the slack of the guys he's playing with. Well, he is playing with Travis Konechny, 
But, right. you know, those two guys, Konechny is obviously a very fast, highly skilled player. I think, right, the problem is the left wing on that line. And I think that Laterra probably brings a little bit more skill than Dale Weiss. Here's the thing. They're playing the fourth line as much as they're playing the third line, if not more. And I think that Haxtell has so much confidence in Lawton and Lear. I don't think they're going to break up those guys. They played together all year last year in the AHL. And, yeah, you could move Michael Raffle uh, up to the wing with Patrick and Konechny. He might even be a better fit there. And I'd love to see a Raffle-Patrick-Konechny line. But I still don't think that probably brings the type of, of skill that you'd like to see there. I think that the fourth line has been so good this year that I don't think they want to make any changes to it. They're certainly not going to take uh, Lawton and Lear away from each other. Maybe Raffle at some point could get a shot on that wing. But for some reason, it feels like Dave Haxtell is not, doesn't see the same Michael Raffle out there that all the fans in the advanced metrics do. Because by the advanced metrics, Michael Raffle is has been a very good player when he's out on the ice. And he is the forward that plays the least amount on the Flyers. He's averaging basically 10 minutes even. And, you know, Taylor Lear's at 12 minutes. Lawton and Patrick are both at 13 and a half minutes. Weiss was actually at 10 and a half minutes. But, um, you know, I, I think ultimately Lindblom hopefully slides into the wing with those guys, Patrick and Konechny, but it's not going to be for a while. And it might not be this season. So I think it's going to be a mix and match until they find someone. I got to correct you, what you said uh, earlier. The Flyers are not in the wild card slot. They're actually third in the division right now. Uh, yes, you're right. They're actually tied with the Blue Jackets. They're both 5-3-0. Yeah. and zero. As the NHL app has it, they're in that third slot, which is nice. But not. Re- oh, I guess it's goal differential. Does that... You're, yeah, might might be goal differential. And the Flyers have the, I believe, the third best goal differential in the league, which is obviously aided by their eight to two pummeling of the Caps. But that's always nice to see because this team traditionally has not been a great goal differential squad. So Mm-mm. for them to be plus ten at this point uh, is is pretty good. Can you name the the two teams that have the best uh, yeah. goal differential in the league? Uh, I'm just scrolling through it right now. I see the Kings are plus 13, and then the uh, Lightning are plus 12. Flyers and Blackhawks are both at plus 10. Yeah, and how about this? The the worst goal differential in the league, the Montreal Canadiens. Isn't that lovely? They're I like minus so 21 much. or 23. Minus 20. Minus 20. How about that? One six and a one. I mean, I'm surprised that their arena is still standing. I feel like that's a city where they start out like this and the fans are burning the place down. Yeah, they're in last place in the division in their uh in their division. They're they in last one place. Win. They're one six and one. One six and one. Wow. Yeah. You know it's bad when the Buffalo Sabres are ahead of you <laughs> in the standings. Yep. Interesting. Well. How about a team that impressed or has impressed the hell out of me, Tampa Bay. They are, they're lighting it up. They're yeah. I mean, look, no, Tampa no pun was, intended on that. Tampa was a team last year. A lot of people had going to the finals, and they battled a, a number of injuries last year, and they just never got untracked. They're a team that they listen. They made the trade in the off season looks phenomenal right now. They traded Jonathan Drouin, who's a Travis Konechny like forward, who uh, to um, Montreal. They got. Sergachev back uh, and Mikhail Sergachev is one of the better defense prospects in the league and he's been playing for the Lightning and he's been really good that trade looks like it might have been a steal for the Lightning I think it's a little harder to find potential franchise defensemen than it is a forward like Drouin uh, and so that I think that trade's paying big dividends for the Lightning obviously Kucherev is unbelievable he's got yeah, like he's, nine, he's or, a nine or ten go- nine or ten goals this season Ten goals, he, six assists already, and he's a plus five. Yeah, he's you know he's certainly an early season MVP candidate. Yeah, they're the Lightning are really good, and Andre Vasilevsky is a monster in net. So that team, uh, the, you know, that team is definitely one of the early favorites for the Cup. Even Stamkos, holy shit! Steven Stamkos has fifteen assists already. 
Wow. Now, I mean, he's a great player when he's actually healthy, so you're only waiting for him to, like, break his leg again and be out for the rest yeah. of the season at some point. Seems like every season it happens. He yeah. misses a good chunk of time with a lower body injury. Oh, good. Ryan Callahan doesn't have a single point this year. I love that. I hate Ryan Callahan. Since you're talking about points, how about – so Shane Gossesper is leading the Flyers in points. He's got 11 points, a goal and 10 assists. Jake Voracek, no goals, 10 assists. So between those two guys, you've got a goal and 20 assists. It's pretty impressive. And how about Sean Couturier is a plus nine. Here's what I was trying to figure out. Giroux and Voracek are only a plus two. Couturier is a plus nine. Hmm. How how does that work? Uh, I mean, they those guys have basically been on the ice together all the time. Even on the power and on yeah, the power I play guess... doesn't the power play doesn't matter, right? Giroux and Voracek could be maybe they've given up some shorthanded goals when on the power play and have gotten minuses. But no one's getting pluses for scoring on the power play. So you'd figure for almost all of Giroux and Voracek's uh, goals when they've been on the ice, Couturier's been out there too and vice versa. So maybe there's some four-on-four overtime also. But I was just surprised when I saw that Couturier's a plus nine and his line mates are a plus two. Gosses Bear and Voracek are both tied for third with Mike Green for uh, points in the league. They all have ten. The Ghost has eleven. Or I'm saying four, I'm, four I'm looking at assists. That was yeah. assists. Oh yeah, ten assists. Yep. That's that's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I think w- another good thing for the Flyers this week is that last week Jordan Wheel missed two games, and I think you really noticed it against Nashville. Oh, a thousand percent. The lack of speed. Yeah. Out there. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Wheel just makes such a big difference. He's become one of this team's most important offensive contributors. So I think that him coming back into the lineup, it looks like both him and Taylor Lear, who missed Saturday night's game, are going to be back in the lineup. That makes a big difference for this team. Because then you're, again, you're rolling those four lines. And the second power play unit wheel with the quick release entering the zone, I think has been a big difference maker there too. So that's a huge deal. I think it's only a matter of time before either Travis Konechny or Jordan Wheels starts to hit a spurt where they're going to start scoring in bunches. Now, I had, um, I believe I, I, I believe I put it in um in the predictions that uh, Philly is flyer writer Kel- Kevin Fortier sent us about uh, you know the Flyers early season predictions or whatever for the rest of the season. I believe, and I've said this a few times, that Konechny's going to finish in the top three in goals on this team. I am so impressed with how he's played early in this season. His speed is second to none, and he's so great with the puck. And what I like about him is when he enters the zone, I'm beginning to see him defer to shoot more than pass, which he did a lot of last year. It's like he gets to the top of the circle, and he just lets it fly at the net. And that's him and Jordan Wheel are a lot of the same player, and we saw Wheel do that in the first game against uh, San Jose. He just entered the zone, threw it on net, and it went in. But I'm just like waiting on the edge of my seat for Travis Konechny to finally just hit his stride and just start putting the puck in the net. I'm invested. I went and bought the jersey, so I'm ready to go. You got I'm the on... TK jersey? I got the TK jersey, the black uh, stadium series, which is the best Flyers jersey. jersey ever put out. Love that jersey. It's sick. I The fact that the Flyers don't have an, a every year black jersey pisses me off because I believe every franchise in every sport should have a black jersey, especially when it is one of your main colors. Yeah, I love that black jersey. and I mean, look, that I think that third line, we're still waiting for them to get untracked a little bit. I think that as Nolan Patrick gains more confidence, that's going to help. Konechny's been buzzing every game. He only has the one goal, but you're right. He has been shooting a little bit more, and I think those guys will definitely get untracked. It's uh, it's probably only a matter of time. Patrick, again, he's an interesting case. I mean, he continues to look a little bit slow, and on the uh, – I think it was the, uh, the goal – 
that Patrick Maroon scored on Saturday night for the for Oilers. The he sort of, yep, he sort of turned Nolan Patrick inside out. Patrick did not look good on that goal. So I'm hoping that, again, it's just a little rust from the surgery that he had, and it's not some kind of issue that's going on. But Patrick looks a little bit lumbering to me when mm-hmm. when he's skating. So I, I think that probably it's just rust that he's got to shake off. And I like the way that they're easing him in as the number three center on this team. You know, Phil Peel is averaging close to 17 minutes a game, and Nolan Patrick's at about 13 and a half. So he's the clear-cut number three center on the team. And I like that how they're easing him in. But, you know, you'd like to start seeing him be a little more aggressive with the puck. Well, yeah, I mean, the point with Nolan Patrick is he barely had an offseason. You know, he he didn't step on the ice until basically training camp. He did a little bit with the Wheat Kings, like, the week before that. But for the large majority of the offseason, he was off the ice. Even when they were having the rookie camp, he didn't practice with the team. So... And he's still adjusting to the speed of the NHL. He did play in the preseason, but, I mean, he's playing with pretty much guys his own skill level or less than that. I mean, they're not really – no teams are really putting out their top guys all that often, all that much in the preseason. And so I think he's still catching up to the speed of the game. He's still trying to find his niche in the game because – He's used to stepping on the ice, and he's the best player out there. And now that's not the case. So he has to find a way to best utilize his skills in the workup of the NA- of an NHL game. And once he figures that out, he's a smart kid. He, I mean, at least he seems like. I've obviously never met him. But he seems like a kid that has a good head on his shoulders. And it's a little disgusting I can call him a kid, but he is 19 years old. Um, pretty scary. It is. I know that's when I knew I was getting old when athletes were starting to be younger than me, but that's neither here nor there. Once he figures it out, once he figures out what he has to do within himself, within his own personal game, to best utilize his skills on the ice in this top level of competition in the world, then we're going to start to really see Nolan Patrick for the second overall pick. Because right now, he's just kind of another guy out there. Because I believe he's still trying to figure it out. He's still catching up to the NHL. It's not often that these rookies come in and they hit the ground running. He's not Austin Matthews. He's not Connor McDavid. There's going to be a learning curve. And that's what he's going through right now. We're not even a month into the season yet. If it gets to be December, January, and we're still kind of seeing the same thing, then maybe I'll start to worry a little bit and start to wonder if and when he's going to take off. But right now, I just think it's a young kid learning a a man's game, basically. I mean, he's playing with people that are far and away, you know, they're more conditioned than them. They're probably, you know, they're a little bit more built and stuff like that. So it's just going to take a little bit of time for Nolan Patrick to get up to speed with everybody else in the league. Yeah, I think, again, you made a good point that he really didn't have an offseason. He had the surgery, he had the draft, and he's sort of concentrating on, you know, he did have a little bit of time there working out up in Canada. Uh, but, yes, it was not a regular offseason for Nolan Patrick, and we do have to remember that he's only 19 years old. So, you know, even if I, – I think we just want to see a consistent year from him. He will also hit the work – he will also hit the wall at some point. Make no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. You know, Ivan Provrov didn't. He was a year older. And he's Ivan Provrov. He's a machine built in some kind of underground Siberian facility. In, yeah, he's Russian. Um, they don't right. They don't know what the wall is. Right. Unless so, it's the Berlin you know, Wall. But you know, I oh, think we Germany. can expect we can expect Patrick. We'll do geography next week. I think. But I think <laughs> we can uh, we can expect you know Patrick's going to hit the wall at some point. He's going to have some ups and downs. I just want him to if he makes through the season healthy or at least without any kind of major injuries and he can have another have a off season to do all his preparation like he normally does. I think that would be great. But I would like to see some I want to see, he started to shoot the puck a little bit more last week. I want to see that continue. I want to see him letting go his laser shot that we know he has because we've seen it in juniors. And I want to see him be a little more assertive offensively. But uh you know, overall, I think 
it's it's about what I've expected so far from him. What I don't want to see with him is I don't want because there's such a love affair and there has been such a love affair long before he was even drafted by the Flyers. You know, once they got that second pick, everyone just locked in Nolan Patrick, Nolan Patrick, Nolan Patrick. And you've seen this infatuation, this love for him ever since the pick was made. What I don't want to see from the fans, because, and I've said this numerous times, there are a lot, probably more than there should be, blind loyalist Flyers fans that no matter what they do, no matter what any player does, it's it's not allowed to be criticized. So I don't want to see Nolan Patrick, if he doesn't start to live up to what everyone expects him to be, if he doesn't start to live up to that pick, I don't want him to turn into one of those players that there's a thousand excuses being made for. Because, And look, I just said it. There's going to be a learning curve with this guy. But at some point, I hope that fans as a whole or a large majority of the fans, if he doesn't pick it up, are able to within themselves and smart enough to criticize him fairly and as any other player would be. Just say, if he's not living up to what he's being, just say it. It's okay to say it. It's okay to criticize. He's just another guy. Unless... And if if he lives up to it, then great. But if he doesn't, I don't want it to just. Be, I don't want it to be like. I don't know. I can't even compare it to anything. But I just don't want to see him become this guy that we baby and we just kind of coddle. And if you make fun of Nolan Patrick, then you're an asshole, and everyone just goes against you. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think the smart Flyers fans. You know, realize what the growth curve is going to be with Nolan Patrick. There's the, the large, you know, so, some of the fans out there that you just kind of can't really say anything about some people. But, um, you know, I, I think the smart Flyers fans will uh, know that it's going to take some time with him and uh, are willing to sort of let him ease into the lineup, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just, there's certain athletes all time and currently in this city uh, because. All of our teams in the city are so young, and they have such young players. There are certain guys that everyone just you can't say anything bad about. I don't like it. I don't agree with it. I'm equal opportunity. I criticize everybody. And Nolan Patrick, like you know, right now he has a pass. He's learning. He's new. Whatever. But at some point, I got to see more from him that I'm seeing right now. And I ultimately believe that I will. So I'm just hoping that he doesn't prove me and about a few thousand other Flyers fans wrong. But yeah, just no, just give. You know, I was just gonna say. You know, I understand that wanting to criticize, but you also have to know the circumstances behind it. So I would certainly give him a pass for this season. If he plays like he has the the first few weeks and he plays that way the rest of the season, um, I don't think that's. I I think that's fine for this team and what they need. I think. You know, he's, he's 19, and we can probably – he's – what, he has three points in eight games. Um, you know, if he if he ends up with uh, 35 to 40 points, I think that's fine. And I think that, um, you know – and that, that, you know, he'll hopefully have another good offseason to, to improve on things. And he's still really young. So, you know, I'm willing to, to give him some time. All right, before we get to our picks for the week, we, um, we have to do a little recap. We both had um, pretty eventful weekends. Um, you actually uh, were down in Kentucky wearing, uh, I'm sure you invested in some nice cowboy boots, maybe a nice hat. Oh, tie. yeah. I had one of those tassely things that you hang from instead of a tie, actually. You know, that bolo I tie. looked like, yeah, no, exactly. I looked like, a, uh, like an oil tycoon. That was the look I was going for. <laughs> Good. Good. Actually, not me, but it was so it was a bachelor party uh, for one of my best friends, and he wanted to go to Kentucky to go to the racetrack, Keeneland. He's big horse racing guy. Uh, big, I'm big horse racing guy too. And one of our buddies, his buddies, who I met for the first time from Arizona, came in, and he actually had the cowboy boots on. He had the tassel instead of the tie, and yo, know, it was it, it it was tremendous. So yeah, so we hit up Friday. We hit up some distilleries. And I love, they basically, they do the tours at these distilleries. But everyone shows up, they just want to drink. 
So we're going through this tour at the Buffalo Trace, and all anyone wants to do is start drinking bourbon. So finally we get to that. That was great. Then you get to the uh, Woodford Reserve, and they don't mess around. Instead of the tour, they just start giving you bourbon right away. So that, that was more like it. We rented the limo for the day. It was, uh, it was awesome. And then Saturday went to the racetrack, Keeneland Racecourse, one of the nicest tracks in the country. I'm partial to the ones in New York where I work. Uh, but Keeneland was nice. We want some money, so that was good. Always good when you can make some money. And then we uh, we went out. I mean, we've gone out both nights. But Saturday night, we, we pretended that, and we're all sort of in our late 30s, we pretended we were co-eds again. And we went to some of the University of Kentucky bars and uh, showed up in suits with all of these young co-eds there. And, mm. uh, you know, can certainly imagine how uh, how you feel in that spot so you just kind of like drink as much as possible and try to make an ass of yourself it's pretty much the strategy in that in that situation they had the uh the the things the young kids are drinking these days they had fish bowls where they fill up a fish bowl with some <laughs> blue kind of vodka or rum yeah. liquid and yeah. and i saw all these girls walking around with these fish bowls and they got the straws coming out of each way and I did take a few sips from the fishbowl. Pretty good. Uh, but the fishbowl is a good it, item. Yeah, fishbowl is a yeah. great item. Ah, reminded me of the college days. And then we got back around 3 a.m. on Saturday night and, of course, drunkenly broke out the poker cards and chips and played nice. poker at the Holiday Inn Lobby. So that was uh, tremendous. I think I lost some money. Probably. Well, did you win any at the track at least? Did you? Yes. Get... Yeah, we won money at the track. There you go. All yeah. in all. Um, no, all in all, it was a good weekend. And you found the best Guinness in Philadelphia, which yeah. I need to know about. Well, quick story on the fishbowl. Couple, uh, well, oh, in boy. June, went up to Boston. My buddy lives up in the Boston area. Went up for my birthday. Um, went to this harbor bar. It's great. It's nice, like right on the Boston Harbor. Got, um, you know pretty tuned up beforehand so i saw people walking around with those fish bowls and i'm like i go to the girl the waitress and i'm like i want two of those the big ones or no i said i want i, I said i want the biggest one you have so she goes comes back we don't have any more. fucking aquarium yeah it's it's called it was called the shark tank <laughs> i said i want a shark tank so she comes back we don't have any more shark tanks but we have She's like, I can give you two of the ones underneath that. I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Cander my card without even asking. Comes back $112. Get out of here. 112 I almost threw Was up. Was it gold-plated? Uh, apparently. But at that point, it's made. You can't return it. So, yeah, but the fishbowl's a good item. I enjoy a fishbowl. If you go to – next time you're in Philly – Go and you uh, are feeling adventurous. Go to Howl at the Moon. They have fishbowl type things. All right. Like and by the way, calling them coeds definitely shows your age a bit. <laughs> I'm fucking old, man. <laughs> uh. All right. All right. So yeah, me and my uh, my two buddies, Sean and Jeff. They're two Irishmen themselves. I am not, but uh, the three of us we enjoy a good Guinness. So. I was approached by Sean earlier last week, and uh, he said, you know, the three of us, we were pretty adventurous. We like to do, you know, a good bit of day drinking. So Sean tells me that him and Jeff were talking about finding the best Guinness in the city of Philadelphia. So Jeff became the guy, you know, he became the recon man on the Internet, Googling who has the best Guinness, this and that. So we compiled a list of eight. And they were all in pretty close walking distance. It was about a mile and a half altogether. So naturally, we named it the Guinness Mile. Um, Love it. Yeah, it was great. Um, so we started at around 3 in the afternoon and um, finished around 8, 8.30. Now, we devised a scoring system, 1 through 5, in four different categories. Taste, presentation, price, and establishment. Because... If you're drinking a beer, you want to do it in a nice place. And after all our deliberation, after all our testing of the products, we had a tie. And much to my surprise, because I was pretty sure 
I had to like recount it the next day. I but I was pretty sure we had a clear cut winner. Apparently we didn't. Someone did the math wrong. We had a tie. Well, so if you were doing the math after all of the Guinnesses, I can understand where there might have been a clerical error made. Right. So before I came on to do this podcast, I wanted to make sure that the... Uh, there was a recount. Yes. Much like there is pretty much every presidential election, <laughs> there was a recount. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, we have, uh, we have a tie. And the fir- it was actually between the first bar and the last bar. The first bar... Is uh, it's called the Irish Times, and that's on six twenty nine South Second Street. And it was good. It was first one we went into. We actually walked in. There was a bachelorette party in progress. Um, they made my, they were doing a scavenger hunt. They made my buddy Sean had to take a shirt off for them to, you know, uh, pass that item. So that got interesting right off the bat because there was a. Uh, some licking and stuff going on, but that's all right. That happened then, to me in Australia, by the way. Really? A bachelorette party that wanted me to actually flex to to cross something off their list. Hmm. How Apparently is Australia? Awesome. Is it? Go to Australia. Fantastic. Everything can kill you there, though, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay. So get all updated on your shots before going to Australia. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to go there. But... The other winner, if you will, uh, is the Bard's Irish something. Oh, I've been there. The Many Bard's times. Irish Bar, twenty thirteen Walnut Street in yeah. Philly. Both were very good. Now, to be completely honest, before this whole venture, I didn't know that. You know, I just assumed Guinness was Guinness, and apparently, it is not. Because now I see the difference in how good or bad they can be. But if you're a Guinness drinker, if you're, or you just want to, you've never had it, you want to start, either of those bars are good options. Uh, the Irish Times we went to, like I said, it was around like 3 o'clock, pretty early in the afternoon, so I don't know what much of the nightlife was, but the bars looked like it was pretty cool. The Irish Times was cool because it felt like an actual like Irish pub. Like they had the uh, the soccer scarves hanging up everywhere and everything like that. The bartender was pretty cool. You know you're in a good bar when the bartender just um, leaves the bar and goes outside for a second and just leaves the patrons there to uh, just pretty much put his trust in them that they're not going to go steal a bunch of shit. So I found that interesting. Good neighborhood um, bar. Are you a Guinness guy? I love Guinness. I got a quick Guinness story for you. I was in Ireland for a work trip a couple of years ago, and I was all excited to try out the Guinness in Ireland. And the first, the taxi driver from the airport was this sour, old Irish guy. And it was clear he didn't really want to engage in much conversation. But I'm excited. So I asked him, uh, I said, I just flew in from long island you know on the work trip really excited to to find the guinness is there uh you know where's the best guinness and he goes he goes you want the best guinness you fucking go back to long island it's all the fucking same tastes the same in long island as it does here (laughs) and i'm like wow this trip is off to a great start oh man it did it tastes it tasted a little better in ireland but he clearly he had relatives in Long Island, and he told me it was the fucking same. That's great. Actually, we're planning an Ireland trip for next September. We're trying to... Uh, oh, do it's it. a fun place. That's Well, my buddy Jeff has been there like three times and keeps saying we have to go to Dublin, we have to go to Dublin. Well, so. if he's been there three times and wants to keep going, then, yeah, yeah you that's know, pretty uh, much all I need to hear. I found but. some late-night poker clubs in, in Ireland. So but. probably like off the beaten path. Oh, yeah. Watch what you say. Watch what you do. You got to be careful you don't insult the wrong uh, footy team. You lived a uh, you lived pretty a pretty wild life. Oh, yeah. I'm a cra- crazy man. Yeah. You're going to... We'll get into Japan next week. Oh, Talk shit. About that. You've been all over. I have. I'm Japan, old, Australia, Ireland. Man of the world. Man of the world. That's right. All right, man of the world. Let's um, let's see if you could uh, p- 
pick hockey games. I've been uh, pretty good so far this year. I think you have. I have not. I think I might just you know, go lose. with what you say. Uh, so, let's see here. We this, got four games. Yeah, we do. We got four games. Two home and two on the road. The yep. road games are both uh, in Can- Canada. Hopefully everyone's got their passports up to date. Yeah, that's a trip I want to make really bad. Montreal and Toronto. Yeah, both good cities. All right. So we have Anaheim Tuesday, Ottawa uh, Thursday, Toronto Saturday, and they come back home next Monday against the Arizona Don't Call Me Phoenix Coyotes. So I think that uh, they're going to dispatch with the Ducks fairly easily. I am. I know that the Ducks are going to have revenge on their mind since we defeated them in overtime uh, early in the year. I think uh, I think we're going to beat the Ducks by a four to two tally. Is what I would say. Now we're going to Canada. Two tough teams. Ottawa, I think, only has one regulation loss this season. Toronto six and two. They're playing really well. I think the Flyers are going to win in Ottawa in a shootout. I think we're going to win the shootout. I'm going to say three to two. Mm. So I think we're going to win the, both the first two games. I don't think we're going to beat Toronto. Toronto's been playing really well. Uh, It's going to be at Toronto. I think we're going to lose that game. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think we'll probably lose 5-3 to at Toronto. Then we get to come home and take on the Arizona Coyotes, one of the worst teams in the league, and I think we'll beat Arizona. I'm going to say 4-1 to for that Arizona game. So I think we're going to go 3-1 and with one of those wins being in a shootout against Ottawa. Hmm. That's the second time you've picked a shootout win this year. Didn't happen last time either. No. No, it didn't. All I'm right. still waiting for it. So I'm going to give the uh I'm going to go ahead and give the revenge game to Anaheim. Wow, okay. I'm going to say they um I'm going to say they win 2-1. Nice low scoring, no overtime. Uh Probably a good game. It'll get dramatic at the end. But I have the Flyers ringing off three straight, two on the road in Canada, and then they come home and beat the fledgling Arizona Coyotes. Um, Ottawa, I'll say they beat Ottawa 3-1. Toronto, I'll go a high-scoring affair, 5-4, and then they'll just come home and dismantle Arizona. Uh, let's say four nothing. Give a give a shutout to flip a coin because that, that's how Dave Haxtell picks his goalies. He just flips a coin on game day. So I'll give him three and one too. But we're on the same page there. So let's hope it happens. Well, you've been pretty correct, so that's why I'm just going to stick to that that game plan this week. If it doesn't work out, then I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board and figure some other stuff out. All right. Well, I guess that's uh you think we've bored the people enough this week? I think we did a pretty good job boring people this week, yes. Yeah. Now, there's nothing people want to hear more in between hockey talk than what two twenty somethings engaged in in the uh in their weekend. I'm not a twenty something anymore. No? Not for a while no not for a while, my friend. No, I'm I'm in my thirties. Get out. Yeah, I'm I'm an I'm an older gentleman. I I pegged you for like twenty seven. No, no. Nope. Wow. So that makes the co-eds comment a lot creepier. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when you're at a bachelor party in Kentucky, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's all right. As long as uh everyone's alive and the groom isn't missing, then we're we're good to go. All right. No, I haven't heard from him actually since since I left. But I I think he's alive. Well, here's hoping that he is. All right, Dan. Um, get and give give, give your uh give your plugs. Give your plugs. Get your plugs in. Yeah. So you can find uh, all my articles and all the articles of my awesome compatriots compatriots at um, phileasflyer.com. We've got a great group there. Articles are all free of charge. So check us out at www.phillyisflyer.com. 
dot com. Uh, one of my most recent pieces up there is looking at what the lineup could look like in two years for the 2019-2020 roster. That's a good piece. Check it out. And, uh, yeah, so check it out. And, obviously, you know, listen to us. Oh, yeah, listen to us all the time. And then while you're listening to us, read Philly as Flyer, and you'll get all the fix you need for your uh, Flyers goodness. And it is important to drive home the fact that it is free, as Dan apparently lives in the uh, the slums of Long Island as the cop car drives by. <laughs> Hopefully they weren't looking for me. Yeah. I don't know. They I don't know came what came all I did the way from Kentucky to get you. It might be the Lexington Police Department. Oh, here's another one. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Mark, crazy. I'm going to have to go here pretty soon. All right. All right, well, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at MarkFlagman2Ns. You can follow this show at underscore getting bullied. We'll be back next week a little uh, who knows what day because there's a lot of uh, – there's a game on Monday that we'll have to watch. So uh, we'll follow on Twitter to find out when we're going to be around next week. So until then, let's go Flyers.